Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello, and welcome to Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. I am Kate Spencer. And I, over here, am Dory Shafrir. Well, hello over there, Dory Shafrir. Well, hello. Hello. Friendly reminder, we are not experts. Together, we are two friends who do like to talk a lot about serums. And welcome to the pod. Welcome, one and all. Welcome, friends. Welcome, enemies. Welcome strangers, welcome family. We we are excited you're all here. We have a wonderful guest joining us later in the episode. But first, I don't know, Dory, if it's okay with you, I thought I would kick it skincare. Wow, that's the dorkiest thing I've ever said. I thought kick I would it kick skincare. it skincare. Okay. Oh god. I'm just glad that you recognized how dorky it was so I didn't have to say anything. You know what? Having a child who's almost 13, it's like in the last six months, she's transformed. And part of her job now on earth is to remind me what a fucking dork I am. Oh. Mm -hmm. It's never been like this before. Yes. And to be fair, she's not wrong. I I am ridiculous. And... I own it and I'm at peace with who I am. I love myself, but like it is, it is humbling. It is, is humbling it in the to like, like, is it in the like, mom, you're embarrassing me vein? Well, that's or- like nonstop all day long from both of them. But it's also a little bit like I am like, I can't, I need reading glasses. I can never find them. I can't figure out how to like do the software update on my phone. Like I somehow have started to regress into some sort of like stereotypical old person. Oh, sure. And I remember my parents doing this. And I think it's just like a part of, it's just like a cycle of life. Yeah. Like at some point we're like, what is happening? I don't, where's my software update? What's iOS 17? You know? So. Yeah. I remember this in particular with regards to music. Like Mm -hmm. wondering why my parents like record collection because we had records growing up, like why it was frozen in like 1973. Sure. And now that I'm a grown up, I realize that like, yeah, it often like your, your, your interest in new music often just like stops because there's just too much of it. 
Yeah, and also the music you liked 20 years ago was excellent. Right. And you want to keep listening to it. So, and you have to be selective about what the new music that you're listening to is. I just started listening to um, Blitzen Trapper. Oh, I love <laughs> and I was like, Blitzen Trapper. Yeah, I, I, they like came up in a Spotify radio thing and I was like, oh, I love this. And then I looked at the albums from like 2007 and I was like, well, I missed that, but I'm going to keep listening to music I would have liked yeah. back then anyway. Totally. Anyway, so, sorry. Kate, take us on a journey. Okay. All this, I don't know why I started here. Oh, because I said something dorky. That's why. Yes. Well, Dory. Part yes, of also, I think, kind of entering this like middle of my 40s stage is that I'm having a lot of feelings about the changes of my face and my body, both inside and out, you know, like yeah. my cholesterol, but also, which we've talked about, but also my face. Look, look, jowls, they are real. And there's a lot of self acceptance that goes into the changes that come along with aging. Mm. And also there's a, I think a feeling I'm noticing more of like, you start to kind of feel invisible to the world. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. Like, and you and I have been talking about how like challenging we're finding it is to like find clothes that kind of we like that feel like stuff we want to wear. Like there's just kind of this weird feeling of like, hello, I'm, I'm still here. Yeah. So yeah. In one of these moments of like, what the fuck is happening? I decided to get a chemical peel on my face. Okay. Now, for those of us who, like myself, have never gotten a chemical peel and sort of vaguely know what they are, but not really, can you describe what a chemical peel is? Sure. So I went to just like one of your like a med spa type place here in Los Angeles. And had, I was like doing a consultation and they like brought this up as a thing because I was like, I want my face to move, but also I'm, my face is getting old. I'm like, ah, you know, and right. the person was, the doctor was like, how about a chemical peel? You can try the kind of like intro level chemical peel. So a chemical peel is essentially, to my knowledge, again, we have prefaced this podcast with we're not experts for six years for this very reason. That's true. But it's essentially applying an acid to the face, Mm -hmm. which then penetrates the skin, but is also like resurfacing the outer layer. So it's essentially an exfoliation, I believe. And, you know, projected results can be everything from like helping with sun damage, which is really kind of what I was after. Um, I'm very fair. I have a lot of freckles, which I love, but like they all like they've kind of gotten very turned into like big blotches on my face mm. despite my continued use of sunscreen they can help with like fine lines and wrinkles again this is all like purported um results right they're not going to work the same for everybody right. you can't have a reaction to them i think some people might use them for acne scarring and i was like all right. The price point was good because some of these things you go in and you're like, sure, I'd love to try like blah, 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 laser mm-hmm. zapper. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, no probs. It's thousands of dollars. And you're like, what the what? And then you question all your life choices and like yeah. how you ended up in that conversation. And like, mm-hmm. you, know, there. you know, you know, you know. 
So this one is called the perfect peel. And again, there are like different levels of chemical peels. And this is kind of a, a very, I would say like beginner level. Okay. Now is the idea that you like work up to a more intense thing or maybe you never do or like what, what's the I think sort it's of ultimately like, this? what are you trying to target? What do you uh, want to do? How much money okay. do you want to spend? Like, et cetera. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Et cetera. So I was kind of like, well, I'm curious. I'm peel curious. I'm going to just try this one and just see what happens. And I'm in a little bit of, I'm in, I'm, I have so much on my plate right now. I didn't do my normal like deep dive, like, you mm. know, hyperfixation. Let me Google everything I can about this peel. So I really went into it not knowing too much. And the process was pretty simple. They just, you know, washed my face, put the peel on, then did like another layer or two, and then kind of talked me through what the next steps would be for the week. And I had, there are a couple of things I had to do at home. Like I had to do a couple peel pads, meaning like, you get these two like take home pads and you kind of give yourself more of the, I guess the peel on your face over the next day, mm-hmm. plus moisturizing and sunscreening obsessively. And I'm almost a week out. I'm six days out now. And it's been an interesting experience. I still don't quite like know what to make of. I don't think I'm in the results phase yet. Okay. Okay. I think I'm headed there. My skin is definitely clearer. Interesting. Okay. Which is interesting. Um, so some questions people in my life have had are like, did it hurt? Going on, painting it on, it definitely kind of stung, like a little warm, stingy feeling. It didn't bother me that much, and my skin handled it pretty well. Um, the smell was atrocious. It smells oh, interesting. Like, like a chemical lab. Um, so it didn't hurt. And then my face was just kind of tight. And then the following couple of days, it was just like tight and a little itchy. And I just did my obsessive sunscreening and, you know, wearing of hats and moisturizing and washing. And then I would say like a couple days ago, it started to flake because the skin, the, the layer of skin for most many people, it will like peel and flake off. And I had warned my children, but then yesterday they were like, you look scary because my face, I, and then they noticed I was wearing a black sweatshirt and they were like, your skin's all over your shirt because it was flaking off my face. You're not supposed to pick it off or pull at it because that can result in like scarring or leaving a mark. Now, you know, I literally have a, have a like skin picking as part of all my mental health stuff, especially when I'm stressed, which I am right now. So my face is giving me the gift of things to pick and I can't (laughs) pick at it. Um, But the skin has been, I watched some videos of people with like chunks of skin that they had to like cut off their face. Mine flaked, like I described it as face dandruff. That's what it was like. Right. Flakes like that, that, like crumbs of my yes, skin yes, yes, all over yes, my yes. the collar of my sweatshirt. So I think I can still. I don't know if you can see. We're doing a video recording on this side. I can still see some skin peeling off. I, don't know if it's like, I can't really see it. It well, does look we did like our, your, does like you look like you have fewer freckles. I think it kind. That's what I mean by kind of clearing up the skin. I think it did kind of 
remove some of the sunspots on my Interesting. face. And when I met with the doctor who I did this with, they were I was like, I like my freck. Like I'm not trying to remove yeah, my freckles. Totally. I like my freckles, and they're also. I've had them since for as long as I can remember. Right. But she was like, it, it'll just help like brighten things up a little bit. And I, I do see that, which I find intriguing. It feels – oh, also, one thing I have noticed, my pores are gone. You cannot oh, see a, wow. a pore on That's my face. so interesting. I don't know how long that will last, but you cannot – there's nothing. It's wild. Fascinating. Okay. And it the texture does feel smooth. I'm going to give it a couple a couple um, more days to really make an assessment because it also does feel very tight and very dry, which I'm mm. not loving. So they do recommend you do like a hydrating facial a couple of weeks after to kind of get okay. everything out, get all the gunk out. So I might okay. do that. Okay. But it's been kind of an interesting experience. I don't know. I, I don't know necessarily if I – I'm not like gung-ho – the perfect peels number one fan, but I also felt like it wasn't a major lift. Like you hear some stories about people getting mm. chemical peels and then having to sit inside for a month. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I went out in my sunscreen and my hat and I saw some friends and I was like, just so you know, my face is peeling off. And people were very, I did have to warn our guest today, Aparna, before our interview. I was like, hello, it's lovely to meet you. I loved your book. Also, my skin's flaking off because I, <laughs> I in a moment of existential oh panic, <laughs> decided I was going to get a chemical peel. She was very nice about it. So that is my that is my first journey into peels. I certainly notice more of a result than any sort of at home chemical peel type thing I've ever done. Mm. Like I definitely notice results. So that has been interesting. Wow. Okay. Okay. But I'm I'm not sure yet like if I would do this again. I don't know. Okay. Okay. Anyone else out there in the chemical peel world want to share their experiences? Yeah, and you know, I tend to I I often like will get really excited to do all this shit to my face and then back out at the last minute because I'm scared of a negative result. You know, like just thinking about, I've done microneedling once, but I don't think I would do it again. And mm-hmm. I don't know. Like you've done lasery things to your face, right? I have, yes. And did you feel, like did you do IPL? Is that it? Or something um, along those lines? It is lines? called the, it's, it's along the lines of IPL. It's not exactly IPL, but it's along the lines of IPL. Um, and I, I thought it was great. It's very targeted, though. Like they like zap each. I did it for age spots. They like zap each individual age spot. Wow. Okay. But I felt and- like it just sort of like generally also like brightened up my my skin. And and do you remember how long it kind of lasted for you? Excuse me. I mean, yeah, like... Or still? Is it still yeah, going? Yeah, it still is. Like, you know, when you go out into the sun, you're going to get some spots. I do try to be really careful about sunscreen. Um, but I would say, I, I think I would ideally do it twice a year. Okay. 
Yeah, I might do another mask and just kind of see see what happens. Another peel, I mean. Excuse me. I might do another one of these perfect peels, see how the second one goes, and then form a stronger opinion. But I did just want to keep everybody abreast of what was going on with my face. Thank you, Kate. I have been using a new device. You know, there are things in our friendship that we don't share until we are in front of these microphones. And this is clearly one of them because I haven't heard about this. So probably like a year ago, a company called Nebulift sent me one of their little RF frequency devices, their radio frequency devices. Okay. Now, it's all sort of in the same realm as like a new face, Mm -hmm. a solo wave, like... Sure. They all use like different technology, slightly different technology, but it's all kind of the same idea. It's like a device you rub over your face, even like the what's the you use the um Peter what's his name Peter um, Doctor Dennis Gross Doctor Dennis Gross I was gonna say I know, Peter Gross um, I get no I get him and Peter Thomas Roth that's yes confused um that mask that you like it's all kind of the same concept right right right. um skin tightening fine lines like blah 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 um and you're supposed to use it on your face every day for 10 minutes like you're supposed to go by region and it kind of buzzes like a electric toothbrush when you are supposed to change regions i get kind of bored so i haven't been doing it for 10 minutes i feel like i could probably just i could like turn on music or listen to a podcast i just haven't been that Mm. organized about it um i've only been using it for like three days so i don't have like a a a conclusion one way or the other but i just wanted to let you know that that has been happening because historically i have your transparency well historically i've never been able to consistently use a device for any real period of time and that's the thing with these devices is like people are like do they work and it's like yes they work but you have to use them all the time like it's not like you use one for six months and then you can just stop yeah this is this is kind of where i like my hang up with any sort of device Mm. is like is is just the question of like, will will you every day spend 15 minutes like zapping it all over your face with a special, you know, cream that you need? Like it's it requires work. Or right. time. It, requ- it requires like, work, it requires that? investment. Um, you know, like I right, said, I was financial investment. I was fortunate enough to have this sent to me, but it's um, you know, it's not cheap supposedly supposedly these are devices that are used by like a professional esthetician Mm. um so i don't know i'm curious though i I was like let me see if i can like make this work for me so i will report back yeah i would be i would be curious to know if you end up like sticking with it or if you are like me and you like run out of steam, which is always what happens. Totally. Well, also because I'm doing it at night, like when I do my regular skincare routine and often I'm just like, I don't like, I want to just get into bed. I don't want to sit around and like, and I could like, 
I was like, well, I could do it in bed, but then I'm like, do I, then I would either have to like bring my entire skincare routine to my bed or then have to get up anyway to do, you know what I mean? So I'm like, well, I do. This is a really great answer to this. I, that's why the mask I do like because I get into bed and put it on and I keep it under my bed. And Wait, I just and like then, pull it out. Put and it then on. what do you do about like your moisturizer and stuff? Well, then I have to get back up and put the this moisturizer This is what I'm saying. On. Right. This is I what know. I'm saying. Right. I, I see the appeal of the mask though because it's more passive. Like you can just kind of stick it on. Or is this yeah, device I do my journal. you have to be like holding and like moving around? So I don't know. You know, it's funny. We didn't actually talk about this with our guest, but this is something that she brings up in her book. In a in yeah. an interesting chapter that kind of touches on a lot of these topics about like beauty and aging, um, and you know the beauty industrial complex. And maybe the next time we talk to her, we will <laughs> we will bring all that up. But I think it's probably a good time to introduce her. Let's do it, Dory. You want to take it away? Okay, I would love to take it away. Aparna Nancherla is a comedian. And as she says, General Silly Billy. Her book, Unreliable Narrator, Me, Myself, and Imposter Syndrome, was published on September 19th. You might also know her as the voice of Moon on Fox's The Great North. She was also the voice of Hollyhock on BoJack Horseman. She was in The Drop on Hulu. Um, She's also been on Lopez vs. Lopez. Like, just, uh, you know a litany of great TV shows. She was named one of the 50 funniest people right now by Rolling Stone. She was also fun fact. She was in a Super Bowl commercial with Michael Buble in 2019 for sparkling water. <laughs> Listen, that's the true dream. Honestly, <laughs> that is the true dream. Um, Aparna currently lives in Los Angeles and we both really enjoyed her book and so also really enjoyed our conversation. So, we are going to take a short break before, but actually before we do that, I just want to remind everyone on our website, which is forever35podcast.com. We have links to everything we mentioned on the show. We're also on Instagram at forever35podcast. You can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash forever35. We have a seven day free trial. So if you're Patreon curious and you want to just check it out, check it out poke around join you can join the discord for those seven days they will kick you out though like automatically if you don't actually sign up um, but uh you can check it out for seven days you can hear all of the episodes we've already recorded um and then at the end of the seven days if you decide you you're like eh, not for me that's fine but you know try it out patreon.com slash forever 35 we also have a newsletter at forever35podcast.com slash newsletter. And also, please do call or text us at 781-591-0390 or email us at forever35podcast at gmail.com. Dory? Um, yes, Kate. Can I, can I also just give a shout out to our giving circle, which is currently raising money via your donations and our donations uh, for local races in Virginia where things are extremely, extremely tight. Um, So if you are a concerned citizen of the United States and you want to support progressive folks and their local races, um, please, please uh, 
donate. Any amount helps. It's going directly to races at the local level through the States Project, which was just featured in a lovely article in the New York Times. Yeah, it was really great. Um, we are so proud to get to work with them. So, and and our listeners have raised so much money already. Like you all have been inc- so incredibly generous um, with your support of our giving circle. So thank you for doing that. And it's never too late to donate. Thank you, Kate. All right. We are going to take a short break and we will be right back. You know, one thing I think is really kind of interesting about skin, my skin, but all skin, is that like what it needs now in my 40s is not what I needed in my 30s. Totally. Definitely not what I needed in my 20s. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But like, how are you supposed to know what your skin needs? It's hard. It's hard to know. Especially when there's just like so many products out there. The overwhelm is real. It's a struggle to even know how to get the results you want, what products to start with. This is why we're super excited to partner with Apostrophe. Apostrophe is a prescription skincare company that offers science-backed medications that are clinically proven to help. I have used Apostrophe. I love it. They will pair you with a board-certified dermatologist who literally creates a personalized treatment plan for your skin. I have done this a few times now. It is so easy to do their online consultation. You upload photos And like within a few weeks, I had done a consultation and received my treatment plan and my product. Amazing. And that is how I became a Tretinoin gal. I love the Tretinoin that they sent me. I love their sunscreen. Both products have been amazing on my skin. And you, Forever 35 listeners, can get a special deal from Apostrophe. You can get your first visit for only $5. That's at apostrophe.com slash forever35 when you use our code forever35. Now, that is a savings of $15. I like that. This code is only available to Forever 35 listeners. So to get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash forever35 and click get started. And then use our code forever35 at sign up and you will get your first visit for only $5. Thank you, Apostrophe, for sponsoring this episode. I like to care for my skin, duh. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's also something that I do love to kind of like get into the research on. You do have a curious mind. Look, I have a curious mind. I can't help it. You do. <laughs> but today's sponsor, One Skin, has made that easy because they do their own fantastic research for their products. In fact, their products are scientifically validated to improve your skin's health while targeting the root cause of aging. The secret is One Skin's proprietary OS1 peptide. It's the first ingredient proven to switch off the aging cells that cause lines, wrinkles, and thinning skin. And they've got several studies to back it up. They also have an amazing new sunscreen. Ooh, our favorite. Our fave, it's the OS1 Shield Protect and Repair SPF 30 Plus. It's got the peptide. It's a mineral sunscreen. It's got antioxidants. It comes in tinted and untinted. I mean, like, what can't this thing do? I'm just saying. I love it. It's so easy to use. And I love that it's just like 
and it feels so nice going on. But don't take my word. Don't take my word for it. OneSkin has over 4,000 five-star reviews and was recently recognized by Fast Company as one of the most innovative brands of 2024. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, OneSkin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code FOREVER at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code FOREVER. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support your show and tell them we sent you. I am the first to admit that gift giving is not easy for everyone. It's taken me a long time to become like a halfway decent gift giver. But what I have learned is that the best way to win the gift giving game is to gift memories. Ooh. And you know how you do that, Kate? I'm, I'm ready. I'm listening. The Aura digital Mm -hmm. frame Mm -hmm. preloaded with decades of family photos. We have gifted this to many people. And when you gift this, your family will love looking back on childhood memories and seeing what you're up to today. Even better, with unlimited storage and an easy-to-use app, you can keep updating the frame with new photos. So it's really the gift that keeps on giving. It's super easy to set up. It takes literally two minutes. You download the app. You set up the Wi-Fi. Boom. Boom. You're good to go. Yep. We have given this to my parents. We've given mm-hmm. this to Matt's parents. Mm-hmm. Same, same. It's so easy because you can add photos from the app like anytime you want. And also like my brother has the app so he can add photos from his family. My sister has the app so she can add photos. My parents also have it. So they also add their own photos. That is one of the coolest parts I think of the Aura Frame is that everybody can contribute. Yes. I love that about... Uh, we have two Aura frames in our house. I have Ooh. one in my office and yeah, and one in our family room. And do my they kids have, love do it. Do they have the same pictures on them? No, they have different pictures. <gasps> Ooh. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Maybe I should get one from my office. I'm looking at a picture of my in, children right now. Right. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Putting that away for later. Store that. Yes. Uh, The Aura app lets you share photos more securely than with email, which is what many other digital frames require. And also then you're not taking up your email storage. So win-win. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Forever 35 listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code forever35 at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Imagine upgrading your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high quality items priced within reach. Now, look, both Dory and I love our Quince items. You might even call us quince heads. You might. I would say you should. In fact, if you don't address us as such, (laughs) we might get upset. Uh, In all seriousness, I have a variety of clothing from quince. Everything from a beautiful cashmere sweater to a very simple, easy white tee to this gorgeous pink summer dress. Mm. you can really like get your whole wardrobe with filled with quality pieces 
at really reasonable prices. You can get organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops. They even have timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, which I want. Just going to announce that here. I'm coming for that jewelry. You're putting it out there. I'm putting it out there. The best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middle people and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, which we love. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. Aparna, welcome to Forever 35. I feel like asking you um, our first question, which is what is a current self-care practice is a yes. bit like redundant because I feel like your whole book really captures so many things that you've done to care for yourself. But um, just to get the ball rolling, would you mind sharing one kind of self-care thing that is resonating for you right now? Yeah. One thing I've been doing recently is like shortly after I wake up in the morning um, and usually after I brush my teeth, I put on any sort of random song and I dance to it and it feels I don't know why it feels so indulgent but it really like kind of gets me out of my head and into my body and I found yeah I mean it sounds so like simple or something but it really helps me kind of get out of that anxiety brain that I usually start the day with. Can I ask, was that something you intuitively kind of one day was like, oh, I think I need to, I need to get out of my like cerebral state and into my physical state? Or did someone suggest it to you? Is it something like you heard somewhere? How did that come into your life? I think I've been more and more interested in body work in the last few years of like doing therapy that's not just like mind focused and like what's going on in your brain. Cause I, have lived a lot of my life like kind of just as like a head detached from a body. So I've been working very hard on like feeling, you know, my arms and legs. And I think uh, music, I also find very healing and stuff. So I think maybe it just was an idea I had one day. And then it really helped so much that I was like, hmm, maybe I'll do this again. And then I just kept doing it. What are some songs you've been dancing to lately? Yeah, what are that's a great question because I'm very much in the enthrall to like Apple Music's recommendations. Mm, <laughs> so it's no, really just mm-hmm. like what what do you want me to listen to, Apple? Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, what uh this is so embarrassing, but at full honesty, I guess. I uh I think I've been for a while listening to a lot of bare naked ladies. Oh, mm. that's not embarrassing at really? all. I don't think so. I did I go know. to a bare naked ladies concert <gasps> sophomore year of high school, and it was one of like we all threw mac and cheese on the stage, and it was Wait, amazing. What? Really, is that a that's thing? like a they have like a fandom, and I think they have traditions in their fandom. And I don't, it may might have had to do with if I had a million dollars or like something. Oh. I, I haven't thought about this in so long. Sorry, this just came out of my brain, but yeah, no, I don't think that's embarrassing at all. That one week song is. Pretty, they have some catchy tunes, is what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, I think that's the thing. They're very upbeat and they're kind of, yeah, the messaging is very just like, 
you know, nothing too deep or uh, heavy. So, yeah, like there's one song that's called like Postcard to Chimpanzees, where you're just like, where was, what, what made you write this? But I, I don't even need to know, really. It's so funny you mentioned them. Dory and I go back and forth about the music we were listening to in high school. We both grew up outside Boston and had very different <laughs> like musical tastes. And Dory, yes. now that I'm saying this, that's what I was up to. Bare naked ladies. <laughs> Great. Yeah. I mean, so, Parna, thank you for bringing that back into my, <laughs> oh, my you're brain. So welcome. I think they just released a new album. I think that's how I got back in sync with them. Um, not to reference another band, uh, but yes. Um, I, I I loved your book. I read your book on the oh, heels goodness. of listening to Maria Bamford's audiobook. So it was like an amazing kind of a double whammy of two comics that I love just teaching me so much. And I, w- I was curious about your perspective as a creative because excavating your own life, yeah. especially when it's like digging into your experiences and the ways in which like self doubt manifests mm. that. And I, and you, and you literally write a whole chapter about it, but like that feels like a double whammy for yeah. me. And the fact that you were like, you did it, I don't know. It said to me like it was important for you to speak to this. Um, so I would just like to hear, especially for our audience who might be learning about your book for the first time, like what was the kind of moment you were like, well, this is what I'm going to dig in on and it's going to be hard and painful, but <laughs> it will also hopefully be worth it. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking through even this process because now it's like, you know, the book is out. I've been promoting it and, you know, weirdly like promoting yourself doubt, you know, also feels weird. <laughs> totally. so, I, yeah, yeah, so I was kind of like, what step of this process has actually not been completely like kind of destabilizing for me? Yeah. And I was like, maybe when I first originally had the idea before I at all tried to start, you know, doing it uh, was maybe the, the honeymoon phase for me. But uh, I, the idea itself came out of just I, you know, had been doing stand up for a decade. Plus I had gotten uh, some moderate success. And I think, you know, as an artist or creator of any kind, you kind of, when you start, you have this end goal inside of like, you know, when I'm either able to do this full time or reach, you know, these X, Y, and Z, uh, milestones that I've set for myself. And I realized like the more things I like kind of checked off my list, the worse my self doubt got. And if anything, I felt more and more like, what am I doing here? I don't know what I'm doing. I don't deserve to be here. And that was mm. very, disconcerting because you know you're like this is what I wanted like now what what is my whole ethos going forward so uh that made me want to kind of pause and just be like well let's sit with this self-doubt for a minute and you know if if it has so much to say why doesn't it do some work for me (laughs) (laughs) I think imposter syndrome is such a com is such a thing we all resonate with have you have you already kind of been inundated with people being like, oh, me too. I see this. Yeah. I mean, definitely people have reached out to me who are like, yes, I also experience these things, but maybe not in the same field of like comedy or something. But yeah, I think it is. It's weird because I write a lot about just stuff that happens deep in my brain. And it is always kind of for some reason, surprising every time when, when I hear other people be like, Oh, I've had these exact same thoughts. Cause I get so lost in my head that I always somehow forget that other people could be having the exact same experience. So I think writing mm-hmm. and 
like comedy is one way that really forces me outside of my own kind of rigid set of beliefs that I've convinced myself of. I was just going to ask, uh, was there, was there anything that kind of changed for you as you were writing the book, like a way that you had thought about yourself maybe in the past that now kind of upon reflection, your perspective shifted as you were sort of excavating these memories? Yeah. I mean, I think part of the reason I wanted to write a book in general, which is something I hadn't done at all previously or anything even particularly long form in terms of writing was that a lot of these things like self-doubt and like my anxiety and my depression are not things that cleanly get solved or like, you know, you figure it out and then you put it in its little box. Like they are very messy and sort of ongoing and it's like two steps forward, three steps back. And Mm -hmm. so I I thought a book would be a better way to get, be a little more unresolved with, with some of the writing and a little more messy and ambiguous than like with a setup and a punchline where you have to have a little more removed from the the whole thing. And I, mm-hmm. I do think as a, there was still that sort of perfectionist fantasy of like, I'll write it and then I'll like figure out why I have all this stuff and then I'll be cured. But yeah, that did right. not happen. If anything, it maybe made it worse at points. And yeah. Mm. You talk about uh, this moment in like early on in your career, this is in kind of your chapter in writing about the concept of saying no mm-hmm. and the challenges that come along with that. and you make this point that you had said no, you backed out of a comedy show because you weren't feeling well. And then the booker proceeded to email you and be like, you need to be more professional. And it really introduced to me this idea of women, especially are really encouraged to like own their power and say no, but often the considerations they have to make in terms of what that actually means are very real. And I I hadn't Mm. really, even though I've, I've talked about this and thought about it, that part hadn't quite clicked for me. Um, And I really appreciated you making that point and was hoping you could kind of dig into that a little bit more and just kind of talk about how do you balance like this actual reality of like, if you do say no, oftentimes like you aren't given the other chance just based on um, being a woman and perhaps also specifically being uh, an Asian woman. Yeah. I mean, I think early on, it is that maybe beginner's mindset, especially when you're starting in a career, trying to make a name for yourself in a field where it is just like, say yes to every opportunity, whatever gets me more experience or exposure. Um, But yeah, I noticed early on that it's like, there was also just this like heavy uh, people pleasing aspect to it of like, if I don't Mm. show up, I'm going to let all these people down or like, I'm going to mess up the show. Uh, and I think, yeah, with age, I've kind of let go of some of that, just like trying to be responsible for like everyone's opinion of me at all times. And there is definitely like you're saying kind of a more of a, um, calculus you have to do as a woman where it's like, if I say no, what is, what are the implications of me saying no to this thing or this person? Um, I don't know if it's just like the, maybe the, freedom you get sometimes with getting older where I mean it's a bit morbid but just where you're like I don't have enough time to say yes to all these things like there's just not enough time left to to try to please everyone else and um yeah I don't know if there's a way to like maybe have that mindset as a younger person because sometimes I feel like it's just something you learn with experience Yeah. I mean, I'm still, that's definitely something I know I'm still personally working on. Um, Yeah. 
but certainly like the realization that like, oh God, I don't have time. I don't like, but the time is running out. Exactly. Something like existential dread to like help, help you remedy uh, your people pleasing. But yeah, uh, but, but, but I guess to your point, just to add uh, of like, you know, maybe the gender difference, I would notice like sometimes like a male comedian said no to something or like didn't show up to something like there would be less maybe, you know, implicit judgment of them as a person rather than yeah. treating it as more situational or circumstance or like, oh, they just forgot or something. Whereas with a woman, it's like calculated somehow or it's like she always yeah. does this. And yeah, that's just like infuriating. Can we talk a little bit about um, your chapter about social media and mm-hmm. how you, um, I, I kind of, I loved what you said about, you know, getting off social media, but still wanting to be, you said, informed and engaged. And that feels like just like such a difficult needle to thread, right? Like, yeah, especially when so much of the way we are informed now is on social media. Um, Can you talk a little bit about what led you to get off of social media and how you are kind of threading that needle currently? Yeah. So, you know, I started on Twitter pretty early on when I think it was newish. And I think a lot of comedians were gravitating towards it as both just a joke incubator and a way to connect with other humor writers or comedians. And, you know, early on, I got success and like attention with it and job opportunities and just connected with people I wouldn't have otherwise. So I feel very grateful to it in that way. But then I definitely just burnt out on it. Like as my follower count grew, I just felt like I was engaging with it in a more and more unhealthy way. And I was kind of using Mm -hmm. it as a metric that wasn't translating well to my actual life. And and that's mm-hmm. also around the time I decided to start writing the book. And um, and then the pandemic happened shortly after that. So I think just the confluence of all these things um, just made social media worse and worse fit for my brain. I'm just like, yeah, too much noise, too many other people's voices, like especially writing the book. I was so in my head that any outside uh, noise would just be that much louder Mm-hmm. Um, so I stepped away from it and, you know, th- as you do as a social media creator, it was like, obviously I then got less engagement when I did post it later, but I wasn't like checking it at all. So it wasn't maybe bothering me in the same way, but then yeah. only recently have I gotten back on to like promote the book. And I feel very much in the, like, I don't know. Um, I feel like it might, I'm now a social media user who maybe falls in line with like the Facebook aunt or something where I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm just like, I like don't know how to reach the audience. I feel so out of like touch and like, I don't know how anything works that I'm like, it doesn't make me want to go back. That's for sure. But yeah. I'm also just like, I feel so alien here now. Yeah. It's, I mean, it just, it all moves so fast yeah. that you go off of it for a little while and then you come back on and it's like, oh, everyone's talking about some, you know, (laughs) meme or whatever. And I'm just like totally out of the loop. I mean, I would feel like when Twitter was kind of like at its height, I would feel that way. Even just like logging on on the West Coast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Because everything moves so fast. It's like, oh, that thing you just learned about is actually over now. 
Right, exactly. Yeah. Like I was like, people are already making like jokes about the jokes about yes. something. Like I don't even know what the original thing that they yeah. were talking about was. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and I just feel like that is that is just broadly a lot of my experience with social media is feeling like behind. <laughs> Yeah, like constantly behind. And also, like now, I because I don't engage with it as much, I frequently don't know what people are talking about. And that still, you know, can be upsetting because you feel very like maybe disconnected in that way. But then I just try to remind myself, like when you were on it all the time, that didn't necessarily make you feel more connected in the ways you want to be. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I am going through that right now. And it's like, I, it's hard to participate in conversations and but also your mental health is so much better so it's but it's like then you yes. lose out on some sort of social language and finding that happy medium is really hard but i i think a lot more people are going to be going that route because i do think we're becoming more and more aware of how fucked up social media can make us feel yeah i mean i always like really feel now for like kids where it's like you didn't even have the option of growing up without a screen where I'm just like what does that Mm -hmm. make yeah like how do you make sense of the world when that's like how everything is yeah parsed I I don't know I have (laughs) an almost 13 year old who's doing a lot of like she takes selfies and does a lot of like like she does these faces (laughs) where I'm like what how do you know how to do that? And they just do. It's, I don't know. Anyway. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. Like my sibling has toddlers and I'm like, they already know how to find their light or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we're just going to take a short break and we will be right back. Kate, you know, I've been getting into like the spring cleaning vibe. Yeah. You have really been kind of doing a refresh, if you will. I've been trying, but I got to say, it's a lot more fun when you also get to do a little space refresh. Mm. So I'm talking like moving furniture around. Mm-hmm. Let me get a new piece here or there, swap out the blankets. Like I'm I'm almost ready for my cotton blanket instead of my wool blanket. Yes, the seasons are changing and so is your home. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And with Jenny Kane's Elevated Home Essentials, I can get exactly what I need to create the kind of place I frankly never want to leave. Jenny Kane Home is a California brand through and through, and their interior pieces are instant classics. From their candle scents, I don't have to tell you how much I love the musk candle and... Kate, of course, is partial to the Montecito candle. Always and forever. Yeah. To their iconic furniture and the coziest pillows, Think clean, effortless, and totally refined. Jenny Kane Home is all about the art of simplicity. They focus on comfort, quality, and timeless design, so you can curate a space that never goes out of style and always feels fresh as spring. Find the perfect way to refresh your space at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off your first order when you use code F35 at checkout. That's 15% off your first order, J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com, promo code F35. I like to care for my skin, duh. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's also something that I do love to kind of like get into the research on. You do have a curious mind. Look, I have a curious mind. I can't help it. You do. Okay. 
But today's sponsor, OneSkin, has made that easy because they do their own fantastic research for their products. In fact, their products are scientifically validated to improve your skin's health while targeting the root cause of aging. The secret is OneSkin's proprietary OS1 peptide. It's the first ingredient proven to switch off the aging cells that cause lines, wrinkles, and thinning skin. And they've got several studies to back it up. They also have an amazing new sunscreen. Ooh, our favorite. Our fave. It's the OS1 Shield Protect and Repair SPF 30 Plus. It's got the peptide. It's a mineral sunscreen. It's got antioxidants. It comes in tinted and untinted. I mean, like, what can't this thing do? I'm just saying. I love it. It's so easy to use. And I love that it's just like, and it feels so nice going on. But don't take my word. Don't take my word for it. OneSkin has over 4,000 five-star reviews and was recently recognized by Fast Company as one of the most innovative brands of 2024. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, OneSkin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code FOREVER at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code FOREVER. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support your show and tell them we sent you. Can I ask you, like, in writing a book about mental health and and your own mental mental health experiences, and I think you did such a nice job, like, putting little kind of, I want to say contact, con, context warnings, but little, like, things at the start of different chapters mm-hmm. to kind of, like, brief people, but also, like, add as a disclaimer, like, these are my experiences, and, like, yeah. we can have the same mental health diagnosis and have very, very varied and different experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But it still didn't stop me from picking up your book and then being like, I'm going to try everything in here because this will solve my life. So I guess my, I wanted to ask like for the reader who connects with something that you've written, like how do you, what would you like, what direction would you gently steer them in, in terms of like seeking help and support, but knowing that it's also an individual experience? Yeah. I mean, I think I also just have the seeker type personality where I'm always like looking for that next thing that's going to really like change things for me. So I think I'm also just Mm. prone to that mentality of like the next big thing. Like I think I would easily, you know, be sucked into a cult because I think it's already like checking off the things for me that I want. But uh, yeah, I think with other people, I just, yeah, I try, I try to, want to gen I want to gently remind them that um everyone is so different and there is like I, I do even as someone who's constantly seeking cures, I also inherently distrust the self-help industry because I always feel like their solutions mm-hmm. are too easy where it's like, yeah, right is the answer like seven bullet points. You know, like I don't <laughs> I don't buy it. Uh <laughs> like I always want it to be some sort of inward journey where I like find myself. But um, but yeah, I guess just remembering that it is really no judgment on you if like one thing that everyone is like, this changed my life does nothing for you. Like it mm. just, 
it's so individual and not just for the person you are, but like the stage you're at in your life and what else you have going on. Yeah. That's a really good point. Just the like age and yeah, life stage. I'm always Um, jealous when younger people like somehow have an epiphany that I I just learned. I'm like, how dare you? You have like two more decades of already knowing this. I I know. Um, speaking of just like mental health, navigating mental health stuff, you, in your recent interview with the New York times, you were tapping before a live show. Um, (laughs) and you talked a little bit about, you know, the different, and you talk about this in your book as well. Um, the different ways that you've dealt with depression and anxiety. Um, and I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about what you're doing now and how you're kind of setting those, setting those boundaries also just in your professional and your personal life um, that you need to deal with your own depression and anxiety? Yeah, I think what's still tricky for me, and I write about it a bit in the book is just, you know, I still feel like even in promoting this book, a lot of the attention I've gotten is like, this is a comedian who talked a lot about mental health and her act, and then it like affected her life or and then it's like written about in the book. And I really have had to delineate like a clear uh, boundary between like me talking about it in my work versus my experience of it in my actual life where they're, you know, rarely the same thing. And uh, yeah, even like talking to an interviewer about tapping on stage is still, you know, it doesn't mean that maybe I'll be doing it in six months or Mm -hmm. um, that it's always working perfectly, but it's like right now it's what's working. And right. it's tricky though, because sometimes I am like, if I'm being so open about everything, is that changing like the way it's showing up in my actual life? Like, I guess it's that whole thing mm-hmm. everyone struggles with now of like the performance you're putting out into the world of who you are versus like you as an actual person in your day to day life. Yeah. And when you're, when you're performing stand up, it's even. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. That adds another (laughs) layer of complexity. Yes, Um, yes. But yeah, trying to remember that it's like me being really anxious to get on stage is separate from me then getting on stage and being like, here's a funny thing about my anxiety. You know, like it's it's sort of two different selves. And I try not to like um, conflate them as much as maybe I used to. Can I ask a question about work? Because <laughs> <laughs> you talk about like breaking free of productivity mindset and just like the way way in which you were raised to view like work as not for like pleasure. But, yeah. And, and like that can be like how we're raised in our family, but also like the our yes. world around us. Um, how did you like, do you still have that kind of inner a voice about what work should look like or what productivity should look like? Or have you kind of developed and cultivated your own feelings throughout your career about what work and professional success looks like for you? That voice of productivity and, you know, achievement is so ingrained in me. I don't know if I'll ever be able to fully unlearn it. Like even in a given day, you know, I know at this point, like, I'll get to maybe one thing on my list if, if that, and it's still like at the end of the day, I'll be like, you can do anything, you know, like just that <laughs> internal 
manager or whatever. So I think I have to constantly kind of reinforce a different mentality. And Mm -hmm. for me, it's also just tied to the fact that it's not just productivity, but it's sort of like, what is the productivity working toward? Because for me, it's like the fulfillment I find in doing things is often in the day to day rather than the end goal of like, even with this book coming out, I'm like, I'm, I don't think I'm the most satisfied now that it's done. I think it, it's more like somewhere in the process of like making discoveries as you're writing it. Not that it's always easy. Like there were definitely rough patches with that too. But yeah, I think for me as a creator, like putting something out into the world, like that actually feels like the point at which I feel least connected to it. So then it's like productivity is very little about the end goal because that's not really the part that I find gratifying or fulfilling. Um, even though it's like in our society, it equates to like the check marks and the prizes and the attention. And I'm like, yeah, I don't think that stuff is as cool as I once thought it was. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it really is like, (laughs) I start to, I start to, when I look at my own kids too, like it starts to become clear. It's, it's in, it's like woven into everything. I, Mm -hmm. I guess I can only speak specifically to American culture, but like, wow, it's just, you pick it up at a young age. And so by the time you start to like awaken to things, it's like, well, I'm going to pull that thread and then all the other threads (laughs) are going to come loose about everything. It's just, it's, it connects to so much with how we treat ourselves. Yeah. And I think the thing that then can be even trickier is like, if you're then, you know, like I am talking about my mental health or like my self doubt, then it's like, well, if someone else is doing it and like more successful than me, then what does that say about like, even my like shittiness is not, you know, uh, can't do a good job or something. I don't know. It just creates ever more strange ways of, of, uh, measuring yourself, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking about like, just you talking about getting off social media, which is something I've been doing, but then it's like, somebody's doing it better than me. <laughs> totally. It's like, I can't even, totally. <laughs> like, I'm still, I'm still finding mm. ways to com- make it a comparative situation as opposed to even just like, like you were kind of saying, reflecting on why you're doing something, but it's very hard. Yeah. Um, and that does all kind of connect, at least for me to, to that like core idea of imposter syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. Just this idea that sort of everyone else is kind of operating from a playbook that you like don't know how to access, I think is always been this feeling that I have under the surface. Yeah. I have kind of a silly question for you, but you you made a reference in your book that spoke to me on such a level. And Dory, I'm curious if this, if you, if this resonated with you, but you were talking about kind of your experiences in high school and, and college and made a passing reference to ski passes uh tag on tags on jackets being like a signifier to you of a certain kind of person of wealth and that it was visceral for me as a kid growing up outside boston that was like such a mm. sign um so i just wanted to pose this for you cuz this is fun i think a fun question but like what are the things as a kid for you and maybe even as an adult that like signify a rich person or have that oh. same kind of like ski tag on jacket like for me as a kid it was people who had water and ice machines on the front of their refrigerators that felt so glamorous 
But I was just curious. We we all have different things. We're all growing up in different environments. Like, were there other things like that for you that kind of clicked on in your head that signify a certain type of person? I think I'm pretty bad at like figuring out people's social status sometimes because I think I'm very easily fooled by like if you present really well, I just kind mm-hmm. of assume you're really mm-hmm. well off. Like a woman with a nice bag, I'm just like, well, she knows what she's doing. Like I, I think I kind of default to assuming everyone else is just keeping it together better than I am. And I like very rarely will see someone and be like, Oh, just like me. That was such a, like a perfect encapsulation of a certain type of East coast. Yeah. Like I'll notice a lot in airports Mm -hmm. because I think in airports, I'm always like, if you can look put together for this, like what, like you don't need, you don't have to like, what are you, who are you dressing up for? TSA? (laughs) (laughs) Kate, for me, it was, it was when, um, like the kids had their own phone line, like not just like a phone in their room, but when they had like a whole separate number, it was like the kid's phone. Yeah. (laughs) That was like, Oh, like I don't even, I I guess it also for me was like, Oh, they have like cooler parents than I do because Uh like uh I wasn't even allowed to have a phone in my room, let alone like my own line. Um, But yeah, I just remember that was like, Ooh, the kids line. <laughs> yeah. And we didn't have like cable or like, you know, video games growing up. So I think I just was like, oh, everyone else is living a better kid right. life than I am. Right. There's so much cooler stuff at somebody yeah. else's house. Yeah. I'd be curious. I should, I should, I'm curious what those things are now for like kids and teenagers of this generation. I don't know. I should ask my children. Yeah, I feel like I yeah, you're, they yeah. might have some ideas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, they, they'll have plenty, plenty to say. Um, well, a part of this has been really wonderful to get to talk to you. Um, it was your book is really a, like just such a pleasure to read and so insightful. Um, I love how much how researched it is. I really appreciated that. I know. I mean, uh, staying on brand, I did feel a bit like an <laughs> imposter doing all the research because I think the books I gravitate towards are like the essays written by like, you know, writer journalists. And I'm just like, oh, they're, they're so well read and they, they know all this stuff. And so I did my like, you know, fan fiction version of that. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, if you, if you pay attention, there's only three periodicals that I seem to read from. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's okay. Well, that's more than many of us. So well done. Um, well, thank you again. And for folks who are interested in finding your work, what is the best way to follow you and follow your work? Yeah, I mean, if you want to engage with me very uh, haphazardly on social media, I am on Instagram and Twitter, or yeah, whatever is now Twitter, um, at Aparnapkin. It's just Aparna and then P-K-I-N. And then my website is aparnacomedy.com. And I'm going to try to be better about posting there. And your new book is Unreliable Narrator, Me, Myself, and Imposter Syndrome. And there's truly something for everybody in it. So everyone should definitely. It was so great. Thank you for writing it. Thank you for reading it. I'm such a fan of both of you. So thank you for having me. You know, one of the things that I really 
loved about reading Aparna's book. You know, she's a comedian I have followed for a while and always really admired. And it is so helpful for me, a fellow, you know, imposter syndrome, people pleaser type to hear other people talk about it. Because Mm. I think one thing that, that perhaps many of us or all of us feel is like, we're the only one. That right. successful, brilliant yes, person over there yes, yes. can no way be feeling yes. like they're the imposter. And it's totally. really it's really validating and also humanizing. Um and her her book just was like it was just so thoughtfully done. I really loved it. Um yes, I completely agree, Kate. And yeah, like I said, I really enjoyed talking to her. There was so much in the book that I was like, oh my God, I totally relate to this. Totally. And I, I mentioned this, um, but I I read it immediately after finishing Maria Bamford's new book yes, on audiobook, yes, yes, which yes. I also just want to heartily recommend. Maybe I'll talk more about it at another point, but it that was also wonderful. So lots of great comedians writing books about mental health right now. Thank you that. to them for, for their for service. For them, for us. Truly. We all need it. Truly. It's great. Okay. Dory, you spoke so beautifully about your process in getting rid of baby clothes and like the, like just the like emotional weight of it, as well as just like the, the way it like takes up space in your home, but also space in your heart. Well, I wrote about it in my newsletter. I know it was beautiful. Oh, thank you. So yeah, if you want to kind of see more of my thoughts. My mom said I made her cry. So it was really beautiful. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, That's at dory.substack.com. You know, it's still going. Yeah. I've made, I've made major progress. Um, There was like, like, for example, there was a bag of like, basically like newborn clothes that I had asked um, if my friend Katie, who's due imminently um if she wanted them and she was like yeah but she lives like a little bit far from me and then the other day i was just like you know what i'm gonna mail these to you like i i was like Mm. i don't i i'm not gonna like have this bag just like sitting around for Mm -hmm. weeks before i decide to like go up to her house so i just shoved everything in an envelope i was like you know what that was worth seven dollars you know what i mean Totally. Yeah, I'm yes. like, I will I will go see her after the baby is born, but in the meantime, these clothes are out of my face. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, you're, I also, you're like pay, you're investing in your peace of mind. Yes, exactly. Um I'm also going to tackle some clothes of mine and this is something that I will that I will <laughs> by the time this airs, I will have either written about it in my newsletter already or I will be about to write about it in my newsletter, but my like attempts at buying new fall clothes um and subsequently like selling old clothes and I there is a full length mirror that has been just like sitting in our hall bathroom because there's no real space for it in the house um but I was like, oh, I could use this mirror for like try-ons. But then also I have this fantasy of like taking all the clothes out of my closet and putting together outfits like a la Clueless and like taking pictures. Oh my God. And having those. But I need to get like 
I was like, well, Polar- like Polaroid film is really expensive. I don't know. I saw this. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a work in progress. Um, but that is like the next phase, I think, of my of my ongoing project is putting outfits together, inspired by Sophie Strauss, putting outfits together, taking anything that needs to be tailored to be tailored. Like I have this one, I have a great pair of like wide leg, sorry, and now I'm just rambling, but I have a great pair of like wide leg black pants that I got from Banana Republic Factory like a year and a half ago. And I think I've worn them once because they're too long Mm -hmm. and I just need to get them hemmed, but I just haven't Uh, done it. Oh, it's so hard. It's so hard. You know, I'm like, I would wear these. I would wear these more often if they, if they fit me correctly. So I'm going to do that. Like, are there other things in my closet that I've subconsciously been avoiding wearing because they don't quite fit for whatever reason? Um. So that's, that's like, that is both my weekly intention and a sort of like bigger ongoing intention. I love that idea of making like a personal lookbook of all your fits. Thank you, Kate. What that about you? Amazing. Um, well, last week I was just focusing on doing like at least a five minute meditation, which I did, but I have been kind of in that stress cycle where I'm just like gnawing my fingers off and not doing any of my like good self-care practices, but I'm hoping to just kind of barrel through it. Okay. And then, you know, our, we have a group of friends who we write, gather and write with, um, and we're on a text chain together. And today everybody was talking about their hobbies. They're all very crafty, our writer friends. And I was like, I don't have anything I like doing with my hands. And then I remembered that I did enjoy beading necklaces for a hot second there before I broke my hand two years ago. And so I was kind of like, in fact, you gave me one. I did. I gave you one and I gave, I think my best friend Lise one. And then that was the extent of my beading. And then I, (laughs) then I stopped, but I enjoyed doing it. And I think I was just kind of like, I don't know where to buy beads and I don't know anything about jewelry making and what is silk string. And I just kind of felt overwhelmed. So my thought was that when I kind of um, get through this work deadline that I'm on and can kind of come up for air, maybe just like watching a couple YouTube videos, like seeing what I might need to kind of do this again on my own, because I Mm -hmm. did really, I really enjoyed it. It was something I could do to kind of get out of my brain space. Mm -hmm. And I love giving things to people. I love making things. This is like a fun little thing I could do to make for other people. So that's my intention for the week. I love that, Kate. We'll see. We'll see next week if I stick with it. But that's the beauty of doing a podcast where we hold ourselves accountable in this very public way. <laughs> totally. All right. Well, let's also, before we go, remind everyone that Fever 35 is hosted and produced by me, Dorisha Freer, and you, Kate Spencer, and produced and edited by Sam Junio. Sammy Reed is our project manager and our network partner is ACAST. Thanks, everybody. Bye.